Welcome to the See Me After Class podcast. I'm your host, John Graham. You're listening to episode... What is this? Episode 5? I think episode 5. And I am with Daniel Laszlo today. This is my first guest podcast. Daniel, how you doing? You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Daniel Laszlo, and I'll make sure to make this first guest podcast a disaster. So, Daniel, this is, uh, the name of the podcast is See Me After Class. All the episodes that I've recorded before have been me basically bitching like a child into the microphone about how much of a negative experience it was for me. And so my idea was for, you know, any guests that I have on the podcast, you know, I would ask them, what was your opinion of school? Grade school, post-secondary, all-inclusive. Did you, was it something that you felt enriched you overall? Did you hate it? You know, did you like it? I definitely think it was a complete waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know... I mean, beyond the obvious things, like like the learning ABCs and basic math. Yeah, I mean, there was the good moments, like like actually meeting friends and, you know, recess, hanging out with them. The rare few couple good teachers, but other than that, like most people were... <laughs> That's all I have to say is just fuck. Du- douchebags. <laughs> Yeah. I believe is the word you're looking for. That that's the politically correct term. Yeah. Yeah. It, overall, it, I I do think it was just a waste of time. It gave you a a glimpse of how shitty the world is, but at the same time, um, it didn't prepare you for it. Yeah. <laughs> so many people don't know the most, like, not learning to not get yourself into fucking credit card debt, or like you know. Learning, knowing how to do basic things around the house or basic life skills. I know, like, uh, I think, I think it was like in grade 11, one of the teachers, like, very briefly just introduced, like, stock bonds and shit in math. And it was like, oh, wow, this is, like, amazing. And then... Wow, this might be something that's actually applicable to life, unlike every other fucking day. And then, like, yeah, and it maybe lasted, like, a couple days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I do think it's a shame as well. Unfortunately, I do think they're very... The teachers are very ineffective at, like, actually teaching. Yeah. in, In the past few years, I've actually become more and more interested in, like, actual math. While in high school, I, I fucking hated math so much. And then only now, like, a decade later, I'm starting to, like, grow interested in it. And it's like, oh, man, like, some of this is actually fascinating when, you know, it is implemented into, like, real-world stuff and quantum physics and all this crazy shit. But, uh, like, they just had, like, none of that curiosity or, you know, none of that just interesting uh yeah words and yeah they don't just words in life it's all meaningless bro yeah (laughs) they need to teach the the willingness to learn like they need to give kids the appetite for the knowledge as opposed to just relaying facts that aren't applicable later on in any capacity and i know you're talking about about teachers like in when I was in film school, I would talk a lot about instructors that I had who were industry, either industry veterans or currently working in the industry. So they had all this <clears throat> knowledge in their head. But if you're going to be a teacher, you need a, a particular skill set to relay that information to students properly in a way that they can digest and remember and apply 
in their own way and that just wasn't the case a lot of the time one of my teachers would just like like classes would just boil down to him sitting with his arms folded in front of the class and then play like showing one slide after another and then staring at the slide and then looking at us and be like oh yeah so that's what that's it like just reading it verbatim what it says on the slide like and then you guys agree with that and we're like i yeah, i guess yeah, okay. Take notes. Yeah. He's Take like, notes. This there's gonna be a pop quiz. <laughs> yeah. And after that I'd be like, okay, good, next slide. I'm like this is this sucks. Like he I don't know. I, I think it's it's too it's it's one thing to you know, to to do well in the industry and, and be good at your job, but teaching is I think I think a whole other skill set. And people who have the knowledge don't necessarily possess the the ability to teach. So that's something that you found. Was, yeah, it was true, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's a shame that most teachers, uh, none of them really gave a shit. Like, they did treat it like anyone treats a job. And, you know, the irony of that. Like, you know, they do always ask for more money and go on strike and stuff. And it's like, yes, it makes sense. But from the majority of teachers we had, it's like, no, like, they don't fucking deserve a raise. Like, they don't deserve any of that. It's like, maybe if they, like, actually were passionate about their jobs, it's like, yeah, then definitely it should be a really high paying job. But it doesn't seem like that's the required <laughs> threshold to become a teacher. So you heard it on here first, folks. I'm right. School my, sucks. Yeah, my guess, my first guess said school sucks, so school sucks universally. Or maybe, and should be abolished permanently. Or, or maybe he just paid me to say all of this. <laughs> Look, uh, my ranting about school, I realize there's a very substantial element of childishness involved because what is the alternative what what would a reality be like without some kind of schooling system but the way it is right now i just don't think is that good and nobody's ever going to convince me i don't know people ask me to like look back on school and be like don't don't you like appreciate the fact that you were there and you soaked in all this knowledge and stuff i mean despite the nastiness i don't know to me it's like being forced to hug an abusive family member like somebody used to rape you like a, a, a rapist uncle and and then he like comes by for christmas dinner and your mom and dad ask you to like give him a hug or something like that as you're hugging like, him get off like, me man as he's hugging you he's like grabbing your ass <laughs> yeah licking his lips and shit i'll see you after class child yeah. i'll see you tonight Slap that ass. <laughs> Slap that ass. <laughs> <I hit. laughs> yeah. So, Daniel, you are an animator. Do you have a specific job title? Is that an accurate way of summing it up? Um, what, what, do, give me your job title and a, a brief description of what you do. Okay, well, I am a television animator, and, you know, the animation industry does encompass quite a few different... Um, job descriptions and positions, but I'm specifically a character animator, so whatever you see on the screen in shitty kids shows, that's, yeah, that's what I do. I, I breathe life into one-dimensional, badly written cartoon characters, and yeah, that's, um, that's 
what I've been doing for the past five years. So you you deal strictly strictly with characters, characters that are alive in the foreground, and there's presumably another department that handles background slates and yeah. background art and coloring and things like that. You don't do coloring or anything, do you? Just do like yeah, um, do the animation. Yeah, as far as uh, television production goes, they they do want to you know, despite it's an art form, they do try and crank it out as fast as possible. So they do try and segment it into multiple steps. So before everything, of course, there's a script, which unfortunately isn't done in-house, but that's another story. Then it goes to uh, the storyboard artists. They're the first to envision what goes on screen. It's usually pretty crude and rough, and then they're pretty much like going back and forth with whoever is assigned as the director at the time. And then after that, it starts to, you know, go into the design process, and then they start, like, designing the backgrounds, they make the assets, they do the the props, and, you know, like, all of it starts to, like, overlap and come together. And at one point, when there's enough material, that's when they hire a whole load of animators, and that's when we actually start working on episodes. And so, in, like, a certain sense, we do kind of take the character designs and, like, we do act it out to the dialogue. Of course, there are voice actors who record all of that beforehand, and then we... we kind kind of try and interpret that and actually like bring the character to life like like however the the actor portrayed it in the dialogue and i need more booze (laughs) so the vocal performances come first and you shape the animation and the lip syncing based on the performance that's been recorded and is there in the timeline right yeah lip syncing is kind of the last and like easy bit um, hmm. we, we, we do focus a lot on the body language, you know, unfortunately it's television, so we do have very limited time to do it, but before we even start, like, voicing it out with the mouth shapes, uh, we, we do, like, focus a lot on the body language, which of course most shows don't do, you know, most shows lack the kind of, you know, the body language and emotion. Expression with limbs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know, like, character shrugging, or, like, there's, like, that's, like, for example, if you have, like, a pantomime movie, an old black-and-white film, like, a lot of it, like, it's, it's you know, it, it's voiced by the body language. Like, it's, I can't stress how important that is as far as animation goes. I mean, that's in school. I, I took a year of animation school, a condensed course, but... But a lot of it, that's what the focus is, is um, learning the body mechanics, you know, drawing from life, drawing naked old people, <laughs> and uh, and then just kind of like developing that understanding of the, the human body, the human postures, and like how that translates, you know, into like how we read it as a, the human species. <laughs> <laughs> how many schlongs have you drawn? Um... Quite a like few. Actual, like live model schlongs. Oh, I mean, <laughs> quite a few. It's there was big ones, small ones, um, <laughs> erect ones. No, they're all flaccid. Yeah, they're all flaccid though. Yeah. Um, I I won't get into stories <laughs> about that. <laughs> Because um, you got some stories. Oh, boy. I actually, but we're not going to go there. No, that's Too for, nasty. That's for the, the After Hours podcast. 
See me after class, after hours. <laughs> We've collaborated on stuff in the past. We did, uh, you helped me do a live action movie of our being the chief. It was Endgame, it was called. Yes, $30 million budget. <laughs> Yeah, at least, at least. Yeah, like how that went, I recall I was like locked in John's house for like two weeks. <laughs> I wouldn't let him out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was... he tried to escape. He tried burrowing his way out. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always kind of looked back on that, kind of like like you, you did a great job helping me film that. But me looking back on that script, that script, man, that was all over the place. Like, compared to, like, the stuff that I do now, which is a lot more focused, that felt so bonkers, that script. So you, you played the role, like, you were not only a camera operator, you were Boris Smirnov. The, how would you describe that character? You're a KGB agent, a right? KGB. Russian KGB. And you were after my character, Scott. And I was like this, like, coke-addicted douche who was living, who was, like, I was, it was me, but I was playing my own roommate in the story who wouldn't pay bills and would just make coke sandwiches and the kid, like, I, I always looked back on that, like, uh, you know, if I watched that again, it probably wouldn't be that great. But I, um, I'm, look, I would, the other day, I went on the internet and looked back on certain scenes that we shot, like, that. remember that death scene that I did? <laughs> With all that fake blood in the kitchen. That was so fucking funny. I was crying laughing. I was like, oh, you know what? We did a pretty good job on that. Thinking back on it, I was like, I was tempted to at one point, like maybe like a year ago, like look that up again. It's like, no, I, I don't want to fucking see me on camera. That must have been atrocious. But... Dude, you were so good. No, but, but the thing, <laughs> no, but the thing is, um... I, I've been like I've been tempted to suggest to you it's like we should bring Shmurnoff back. Yeah. Um that that has crossed my mind. Um, <laughs> That's a great character, yeah. Like it, it's it was like all just stupid shit but it was fun and yeah. like that's so rare to find in you know in professional work is actually having fun with what you're doing yeah <laughs> it really did have its moments where the like wow i was like wow the humor really does hold up like this is pretty well done like I've, i haven't laughed this hard in a long time which might be egotistical considering <laughs> it was stuff that i wrote but i don't know i guess i dig my own sense of humor man I and, thought, I thought and, that like, was... and like for the record i remember like near the end of it like i i, I had like had enough and <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> like being both like both of us being cooped up in a room like like one of us would have just eventually bludgeoned the other one in the head <laughs> with, like a crowbar or yeah. something but like all in all though you know you you remember it you remember the fun stuff yeah <laughs> but i i do remember now it got pretty tight towards the end because we were we were under a deadline we were trying to make was it can west yeah or? it was one of red versus blues annual things in vancouver um it wasn't it wasn't really for the main rooster teeth guys i mean they were they were usually doing their own thing in america and texas wherever they were based at, at the time i think i think it's always been texas but uh the rvb can west thing was sometimes they would come along to vancouver and be in attendance for it for, but for the most part it was just for fans of red versus blue that were based in vancouver and they'd get together and anybody who was working on video projects had a chance to screen whatever they were working on. 
And in our case, I was doing, I wanted to do this, like I wanted to end the series with this thing. So I was like trying to make a big show out of it. Do you have something to add? Um, so I've helped you on two, two live action things. What was the other thing? Um, because, like, I think the first one was for the Can West. It was when, um, you remember, it's the one where you played the agent, the acting agent, where he, like, shoots himself in the head, eventually. Yeah, that was the same movie, wasn't it? Um, no, no, no. I, I think the the Shmurnoff thing, that was, like, a three-parter, Mich- Barbie and the Chief thing. Oh, I can't remember. I thought it was one whole... No, like, I, I remember there was, like, two separate cases. The first time it was the Can West, and that's when we did the... It was the first, like, Arby and the Chief movie. Yeah. And... I don't know, I'm having a hard time remembering, because maybe we did it in parts, and it was combined into one, like, video later on. Yeah, um, regardless, one... Yeah, there was a big chunk or whatever we did for the Red versus Blue thing, but... Yeah, and I know I played two characters at one point. There was Scott and then Skylar Loveheart was like the, the, he the, was the Hollywood the, agent. The Hollywood agent that <laughs> just like blows his brains out. <laughs> the comedic moments in that show, man. Like I watched the cocaine sandwiches bit <laughs> and then the part where like the, I'm on my computer like hacking Halo. <laughs> like mashing the keyboard and the toys come in and they're like, we called the cops on you. You're under arrest. And I'm like, oh yeah? On what charge? And they're like, possession. And there's coke everywhere. So I'm just like, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> and then you come in. <laughs> it's like the camera like goes on your sleeve. You see, We see your KGB kind of Soviet symbol Soviet thing on your, your armband. Hammer and sickle. Over your brown leather jacket, yeah. And then it pans up, or tilts up to you. And like, you always have your head up at this like high angle like this, staring at the ceiling. And you're kind of like looking like your pupil at the corner of your eyes just looking down at me like over your sunglasses <laughs> and i remember we we're both like bobbing our just heads like around <laughs> staring at each other yeah with really intense music playing from I mean, yeah first modern warfare that's right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then i run to the kitchen do coke and shit and then you shoot me and it's like a 10 minute long death sequence where i'm just like and there's a fake out at the very end too where it's like for two minutes i'm like still it's like okay he's dead and then out of nowhere i'm just like arbiter's like jesus christ (laughs) um fuck i can't remember i think you originally had a different orchestral track for the death scene i think it was a beethoven track yeah and i think that cut was better yeah and you fucking deleted it I'm like <laughs> I, I just make sure you save a copy of that <laughs> oh, shit. and then he's like, just like no this is better it's like can i have the other one? No, i deleted it it's like fuck oh no, no <laughs> that's just that's just a tiny thing what about uh post-secondary briefly did you like that did you just go to um i i was one of did those... you just go to the was that no no fuck that place <laughs> Uh, you know, that school, they did want to pull me in, but I did my research, and I'm like, this course is complete shit, mm-hmm. and it was really expensive, but, uh, I was one of those people who did way too much, like, meticulous research before I actually took school post-secondary, yep. and I ended up picking an expensive course, which was only a year long, but... It was the the one course that seemed the most worthwhile. It had the most, you know, 
I actually like talked to people that graduated from there and actually amounted to something. Yeah, I, I, only, I only did one year of animation school and then from that one year I'm actually like working in the industry now. But so that was really beneficial to you then? Yeah, it was like, yeah. it, it, it was a pretty penny, which I'm going to be paying off for the next decade. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not even an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that your um, children will, will be paying for the... For the <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I birth some babies, I'll just slit my throat, and it's like your problem, guys. Yeah, well, you um, can just harvest their organs, sell them to the Chinese, and then you've got a nice little. <laughs> my landlord is Chinese. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> you don't have to move too far. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll give them some organs, and I get a month of free rent. Yeah. <laughs> we only accept livers. Sorry, no cash. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the thing is, like, since that year of school was only a year, um, like, I actually wish I could go back for more. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it was just a taste of, like, an actual positive experience. It's like, one of my instructors, he was, like, an animation supervisor at ILM, which is, like, fucking Star Wars and stuff. Industrial Light and Magic, yep. Yeah. For the listeners. For you morons. <laughs> um, for you dipshits. <laughs> but yeah, he was an animation supervisor there for like over a decade, as in he talked to George Lucas all the time, and we got some some great stories and dirt on George Lucas <laughs> over the course of the year. Yeah. And then, like, the other instructor, he was, like, he started at, like, the Don Bluth studio. His first movie was, like, Land Before Time, which is probably, like, two decades before any of you babies. Good movie. Really good movie. He did quite a few there, and after that, he... He moved to Disney, he was there for a decade, then he moved to, like, DreamWorks, he was there for a decade, so it's like, we had some really good fucking teachers. Mm -hmm. And it was great because they were doing the teaching thing full-time, so, like, they actually, like, had time for us. It wasn't like, oh, it's six o'clock, I'm fucking off, going back to my studio job, so. Great experience, I'd love to take more, but money. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you can vaguely mention about uh, past projects, things you might be proud of, what things you've worked on, what, anything you can tell us about what you're working on now at the moment? Yeah, um, how do I put this? I, I have worked at... Okay, so the animation industry here in Vancouver and Canada in general, how it works is uh, we do have a lot of studios here, but they're considered service studios, so we don't necessarily own too many of the properties we work on so it's like a lot of productions that come out from the states and the reason they send it here is because we do quality work but we're also paid peanuts mm. <laughs> so like so in other words you you people in vancouver the animators stupid enough to to to, to work for nothing basically yeah like <laughs> Like, it, okay, it's, it's a, there's, uh, I can go on forever about, like, studio politics and stuff, but how it works is whenever there is a show that's going to be produced, like, you know, again, a lot of it comes out from the States, and I've worked on various uh, DreamWorks uh, Netflix exclusives, and some stuff for Hasbro, which I'm sure all of you are proud of. 
because ponies and bronies and all that wonderful stuff. But how it works is when like a production is like kind of pitched to like the pool of studios, uh, pretty much like it's a bidding process and how the process works is, oh, well our studio, we'd cost this much to produce the season. And then other studios try and like kind of underbid them and say, It's like a oh, reverse auction. Yeah, much. it is a reverse auction. And unfortunately like Vancouver, because our line of work, it's not unionized, so we don't get paid overtime, we don't get paid weekends. $10! Do I have $10 here to make this show? <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, like, our production costs are, like, a fuck ton lower than anything that would be produced in the States. So, we always end up, like, underbidding everyone else, underbidding, overbidding, however that would go. So, a lot of stuff does come here, and because, like, we do have a lot of fucking talented people working here, because, like, Vancouver is a pretty artsy-fartsy place, and, yeah. I mean, like, where are the fuck else is an artist gonna get work uh, mm -hmm. that's the unfortunate thing which you know yeah leads a lot of us talented bright-eyed artists that you know we eventually all end up going the animation route and so many animators are just desperate to animate like take like apply the education that they've received apply their talent apply because you know presumably they've been doodling since they were children i know you have you've always been a really good yeah artist yeah and like and you um, develop your ability and you just want to work in that industry even if it means getting drastically underpaid because you you really don't want to be doing anything else right i mean i'm the yeah, same with writing I, yeah I and, and like it, like it's strange because like i wouldn't necessarily like i don't that's that's the irony is like i am an animator and like they do want to keep me in this department because i'm good at it but it's actually not what i want to be doing <laughs> So what, what would you rather do? Um, What's your dream position? Uh, okay, well, well, dream job would be working on a feature animated film, but unfortunately Canada is not a place for that, but I do want to be in the storyboard department. Okay. So it's the department that, like, first envisions, the, the first department that, like, visualizes the script individuals and like we're the ones that doodle, doodle it down you know it's a visual storytelling art form mm -hmm. so we're the ones who it's like oh cin cinematography blah 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 and it's not just that and in film of course um storyboards it's literally just the camera angles right um yeah. but as far as like animation storyboards like we're the ones that actually um we actually do sketch out all the character performances so a lot of like the key body movements and stuff like we're the ones who actually initially um flush that out before it goes to animation and of course you know animators do take liberty with it like however they can but we're the ones that kind of like frame the camera and ha like frame the camera so like it, it can encompass the character animation with a good composition and when you like, say we you mean storyboard artists yes even storyboard not... art, yeah I, I say yeah. we because I I've been trying to, to get, be doing, get right? yeah I've yeah. been trying to get into the department for so long but mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because Vancouver, like, they they do love to take in as many animators and 
since a lot of those animators just burn out and fuck off, like, <laughs> they're constantly just, like, grinding grinding people up and spitting them out. But, yeah. Uh, I, I'm one who, like, stuck around. I've been doing it for five years, but, you know, it's... it's it's a burnout, unfortunately. So I, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing, and you know, I'm not really doing a dream job or anything. I, I don't feel like I'm doing something artistic. I'm pretty much just like it. It unfortunately does like feel like a job, and that's ironic because oh, it's an art form, artsy fartsy, but yeah, like unfortunately, no, it doesn't really feel like that because like. Since we're underbid so fucking much, we do have really tight deadlines, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it gets crazy. Yeah, we can't pay you in cash, but we do have two coupons for Denny's. Who's willing to uh, work? Who produce this show for this? We will. I was offered work on Rick and Morty. And I turn it down. And a lot of people, including John, he's like, why the fuck did you turn it down? That show, it's popular, it's fucking awesome. And yes, it's an awesome show. I like, I personally love it too, but... Once you explained this to me, I agreed with you. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'd um, be the same way. So my first job, I was on the same floor as the Rick and Morty people. And like, unfortunately, it is one of those nightmare productions where people are there seven days a week. They're getting paid peanuts and like i remember during the first season before it got popular and stuff the studio was just like uh like sorry guys like we're we're so low on money like we just you know we can't pay you more blah 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 you have to do all this uh like you know you got to do all these like extra hours and stuff which we can't pay for blah 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 and like eventually it turns out that show had a huge fucking budget and the studio was pocketing the whole thing mm-hmm. and eventually it turns out like one of the animating animation supervisors found out the studio was actually they asked for more money it's like oh yeah like production is like rough like we could like really use some help and like literally like they got sent like a six seven figure amount as a bonus and like they pocketed the whole thing none of it went to the actual people working on the show such bullshit and like unfortunately that that's that's production here it's it's a lot of money being pocketed and there's two forms of pay with animation contracts usually unfortunately it is contract based so they hire us on for like a six to twelve month contract but once that's over they lay you off yeah (laughs) and then you just have to hope and wait there's going to be another production soon and then they hire you back but unfortunately like even that it's really unreliable because like sometimes they're like oh yeah we've got a production starting up in uh november and it like you're still waiting it it's already march and it's oh yeah you guys can come work now it's like but what the fuck guys like yeah (laughs) so yeah unfortunately there's two forms of payment one is like an actual wage where it's like okay you get paid 40 hours a week and like you know that that is a solid way to go because you do get paid every week but the other form of payment it's it's based on how much quota you output how many seconds you output and like that goes a very sleazy route because um what they purposely do is you submit a bunch of your stuff but it's not going to get paid for until it's approved. That's bullshit. So, so a lot of time doesn't get approved and you yeah, have to yeah, go back yeah, to the drawing board yeah, over and over again. Yeah, so your stuff doesn't get approved and by the end of the two weeks, like you can get like such a low amount you can't pay for rent. 
And that was the Rick. That's the Rick and Morty guys. Like, oh, Jesus. it's such a high budget show, but uh, yeah, they're they're being paid by that method. It's only whatever gets approved. And there's a thing called revisions. It's like you could like spend a week on a shot, which you know, of course we need to crank out multiple shots a day. But mm-hmm. you could spend all the time on a shot. But then they're like, uh, you know, we kind of want you to do this with the shot. It's like, but guys, like, this isn't incorrect. It's good. It's like, no, like, we have a difference in opinion. Like, can you spend another day on that? It's like, what the fuck, guys? Like, I have, like, 12 other shots to do. And anyway. When you say difference of opinion, you mean between the director and you as an animator or whoever (sighs) the animator is? Yeah, it's tricky because, like, sometimes, okay, this is if you're lucky. It's like... You do your shot, it goes to the supervisor. If the supervisor approves it, it goes to the director, and if he approves it, then you're, you know, in the clear. But if you do your shot, you give it to the supervisor, and he's like, eh, like, I want you to try this instead. It's like, that's already, like, once that happens, you're already fucked, because it's like, oh, I have 18 other shots to do this week. Yeah. And that comes back to you, you do it, and then, unfortunately, sometimes you have very indecisive supervisors, and, like, they can send the shot back multiple times. Or, on a show I worked on, we had three fucking directors, and it had to go through all of them, and, like... One at a time. (laughs) And No, and, like, literally, it was a fight between them. It's like, no, like, I think they should do this with the shot. It's like... And, like, it's a farce. Like, and it's not that you did it wrong. It's literally a, a difference of opinion. It's like, no, I think the character, like... He should have this character motion or this little emphasis and blah. So, and mind you, it's television. It's fucking kids that watch it. Like, they're not going to notice the difference. So, yeah, it's... So Rick and Morty is one of those that's very rough for revisions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, animators, they just don't get paid on the show. And you can agree, Vancouver is very high in living costs. Yeah. So... It's ridiculous here right now. So it's like, yeah, I mean, sure, I love the show Rick and Morty, but, like, it's an example of a nightmare production. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me you, you, ultimately, you ultimately turned down that job offer, and one of the reasons was that you didn't want to sour your perception of the show. Because what that's what happens with the animators. Like, you know, they might, animators who work on that show now might have liked that show to some degree, yeah. but then they finally work on it, and it's such a miserable experience experience that whenever they watch a rerun on television they just get like like, vietnam flashbacks like like, no saigon (laughs) (laughs) like i yeah i i literally know some animators on that show who like refuse to watch the show they've never seen a single episode like even though it's a really good show everyone tells them it's oh man why why aren't you watching it it's a great show but it's like it it was that distasteful of a memory unfortunately it like despite how good a show can be it could completely just let's just say all the shows i've worked on i've never had i've never went back and watched any episodes yeah so like that gives you an idea of how much I love <laughs> the job. I've never went back and actually looked at any of the episodes I worked on. And once like, it's done, fuck it. It's just bad memories. Yeah, right? and like yeah. that—that's such a shame because I am working on a cartoon. I'm a fucking man, baby. I could, you know, I could enjoy a cartoon here and there. Yeah. I do love Disney films and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the that's the irony is uh, I 
like bleed <laughs> sweat and bleed on a lot of these shows and I have worked you know it's not uncommon to be working 70 to 90 hour weeks and we of course only get paid for 40 over those hours and like the, that's what the deadlines are like um the contracts go um we're gonna pay you for 40 hours but you have to finish this amount of quota but like that quota is never humanly possible within 40 hours that's yeah. just how it goes and that's why our production costs are so low and that's why vancouver gets all this you know work sent to us yeah it is high quality as opposed to when they send it to the Philippines, right? Right. Sure, it's a bit cheaper, but in most cases, the stuff they send back is shit because it's they're not trained usually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, production, yay. Booze. And... Good lord. I mean, I, the way I imagine it, it's like you're lucky to ever get like a day off or a weekend to yourself. Like I imagine every Friday is just like some guy coming in and being like, sorry guys, we're gonna need you to work through Saturday and Sunday. Like, every Friday, I imagine this would, like, happen, where it's just like, we need you to stay behind. Yeah, um, like, like, I mean, we're recording this, it's Friday evening, but I, I'm going back to work in the morning. <laughs> just, yeah. like, the show I'm on, yeah, I've, I've literally been working for, in the past two months, I've had maybe a day or two off. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, a couple weeks ago, I took a Saturday off, but of course, you know, you end up just sleeping the whole fucking day, and when you wake up, it's like, fuck, I have to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's... It's shitty. Yeah. I, sure, I'm being a whiny baby, but... Uh, no, it sucks, man. I mean, I think animators should totally get paid what they're worth, and I think it's a valuable skill, and animation is such a great medium, and it's and, just so underappreciated nowadays. And, and the, like, this is another problem, like, most people aren't gonna understand, is, like, animation is a great medium, but no matter what, it's gonna be time-consuming. Like, no matter what, it's like, when people are It does like, take time, yeah. Yeah, when people to are like, oh man, like, I'll give you, like, some money to do a quick little web animation, like, it could just be, like, crude and quick and stuff, and it's like, like, even if it looks shitty, like, it's gonna take time. And, of course, I have my quality standards, I don't want to, oh man, booze, I love it. Um, <laughs> and that's the problem with, since I work in television animation, they're like, oh man, it's television, like... Like, it shouldn't take that long, but it, unfortunately, um, in the past couple decades since the software has gotten better, you know, some of the workflows are better. Um, unfortunately, because that's improved, they expect we can crank out more. And, like, but it always boils down to, like, it's always going to take a lot of manual work. Like, we're literally doing it for, like, we have to treat every fucking frame, like, as an image. Supervisors, they go through it frame by frame. It's like, oh, there's a little tangent there. It's like, you have to fix it. It's like, even though no one would fucking see it, like, you literally have to sculpt these drawings every fucking frame. Like, you can't get away with it. Yeah. And it's like, sure, that's overkill, but unfortunately, that is the quality standards for a professional, mm -hmm. you know, medium that goes on television. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like, it's always going to be time-consuming, no matter how good the software gets. Yeah. So. When it comes to animation studios, I think of the umbrella companies treating this, those studios like a game of Jenga, where it's like the tower represents, like a studio will get X amount of dollars in budget, and they'll finally establish a pipeline where we can go, 
okay, we can work with this amount. And then as soon as that happens, the governing company will come in and be like, oh, this is running pretty good. I wonder if we can take something away. Like that yeah, Jenga no, tower, like, just like, like pulling out bricks until the whole fucking thing collapses. Yeah, and like, unfortunately... Like, oh, it's still standing. Like, yeah, and <laughs> like, th that's the irony is like, there isn't this umbrella company. It's literally each studio. It's just the studio, right? Yeah, it's the one studio, like, um, I guess should we like start to slide the sausage party in <laughs> yeah yeah let's talk about that so for the listeners uh recently there's a story an article that was floating around social media about the uh sausage party animators a new film by uh seth rogan i can't remember the directors but they're the heads of nitrogen studios which is based here in vancouver and they just animated the film sausage party that's about to be released or is has just been released um, i can't remember but uh the article was about these ex-animators coming forward about how they were allegedly mistreated, about how they were forced to work overtime without getting paid, and not getting fired, but like always like getting pulled into dark rooms and giving a strong given a strong talking to you know and con convinced had, to stay I actually had two of those today i'm not even two kidding. of those yeah. jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah so they don't fire you but they'll like sit down with you and they'll convince you like you need to stay and work and they try to convince you that it's your fault. Like if, if you, you know, s say that these are unfair conditions and you want to leave, it's like, well, you're going to be burdening all your, your colleagues if you leave because, you know, the, the workflow has got to go somewhere. Someone else is going to have to take up the yeah, stuff that um, you don't do. Yeah, that, yeah, that's... So they try to make you feel guilty yeah, about it. Yeah, that's like, yeah, some of the fucking just just sleaziest yeah um production coordinators is they literally turn it around on you and they make you feel like shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i remember there was a earlier production it's like i was asking for more money because like i the amount they were paying me like i could barely pay rent from it and they turn it around on you it's like oh, we don't fucking have the production money like how the fuck do you think we could <laughs> anyway back to like yeah it's it's shitty but back yeah. to sausage party um if you can't pay your rent what the fuck are you supposed to do that's I, just ridiculous you, you, you could take out a loan like take one for the team man <laughs> take one for the team yeah fuck um but yeah the sausage party thing it's like well they while the higher-ups pocket all that fucking money yeah um yeah. the i i think the the budget the animation budget was 120 million i think which is really fucking low but they ended up using only 20 million of that to actually pay the like actual artists and stuff. So just imagine, like a hundred million of that is pocketed. <laughs> Like, like, holy fuck. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing. When this article is floating around, everyone's like, oh man, like, this is fucking atrocious. Like, how could they do this? But it's like, you point out to them, it's like, that's, that's literally every production I've it's been on. the norm. It's rampant. And, and, and like, that's, like, that is disgusting because that's the case. It's, unfortunately, like, I work in television. Like, it's never going to come to notice since it's like stupid kids shows. Like, no one's going to care right but as you know as soon as a movie comes around like it gets more notice like you know it's like oh box office movie it's like oh shit these people were treated badly higher publicity and stuff. yeah so yeah. it's like it's gonna get higher publicity but that's the case with like every production in vancouver mind you productions differ some of them are you know an easier ride 
some of them are really fucking atrocious, but like it does depend on production, you know. Sometimes they really fuck up in the pre-production before it goes to animation, or sometimes it's like, oh yeah, it's already the third season, so you know, the pre-production has it down, so once it gets to animation, it's a lot smoother. But like one thing I'm gonna point out is since the animation department that's what goes on the screen it's like all the fuck-ups and stuff it like comes to us to fit and be fixed yeah so it's like all the bullshit trickles down to you guys because it's like it's our work that goes on the screen so when the storyboard artists half-ass it and like it's completely broken as far as the cinematography and stuff goes and then when the designers fuck stuff up or the prop designers just don't like do the required work it's like it all comes to the animation department and while we should be focusing on these character performances it's like like what the fuck I'm spending hours fixing this background or I'm spending hours like redrawing this prop which should have been supplied yeah like this isn't what we're paid for but we have to do it because it's like it's our work that directly goes onto the screen so unfortunately since the animation department is the bulk work of the production um that's the most expensive part so that's where studios try and skimp as far as budget Mm -hmm. so the animation department like rarely ever gets extended because that just means oh it's gonna cost more and stuff so like yeah in the case of sausage party it's the animators that were being fucked over because it's their work going on the screen and if the director is indecisive like while it's being animated it's like oh yeah actually like oh man you spent a great you know 10 hours on that shot it looks great but i want you to try something else it's like it's like it's wasted money but if that animator is not getting paid it's not wasted money yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it, it's it's like it really is fucked up and yeah so should I get into, like, the solution of this, or should I keep digging? Well, sure, but I just want to say, uh, it reminds me of, like, this unfair relay race where you don't see any of the racers besides the ones at the very end who end up touching the finishing line, and that's you guys, that's the animators. And it's like, however slow those other guys are, yeah, it's like, that's, you've got to do all that catching up. And once you get to the finish line, it's like... If the production fails, you guys are like the face of it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you guys must have fucked up then because, you know, what we're seeing on screen, that's not what we wanted. Yeah. So what do you, what the fuck do you think the problem is? I mean, isn't this shit supposed to be figured out in storyboarding where it's like, you know, this is exactly what the fucking shot's going to yeah. be. This is what the character um, movement is. Just do that. And so what's the problem? Where does um, the revision okay, come okay, in? Okay, uh, okay. That is the biggest problem is, um, like, a lot of my instructors, you know, who worked on really big fucking budget films is pre-production is really fucking important. That's where you figure all the shit out. Once it's getting to, it's like, oh man, this animator is actually working on the shot already, and the director hasn't made up his fucking mind. Yeah. It's like, like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, it's, oh, the ball's already rolling. It's like, it, you need to have the shit down. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be the animator's job to be working around with your fucking indecisive ideas, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, I don't want to badmouth all, like, the whole industry and, like... Nah, guess, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them all. <laughs> uh, no, like, that's the thing is, um, I do work with great people, like... 
you know, I've worked with great directors, I've worked with some assholes, like... I imagine that's a big part that keeps you sticking with it, is, like, the people you work with and that sense of yeah, com camaraderie like, that you have amongst the animation. Yeah, and, like, it's... Where it's, you, you all, you're all, like, talking to each other about, God, doesn't this suck? And they're all like, yeah. Yeah, uh, like, unfortunately, you know, we try and keep that subliminal, but... Yeah, <laughs> sign language. <laughs> Write <laughs> it in the peas and during the, like lunch hour in the cafeteria. <laughs> Just like fuck this as place. A, as a tear trickles down in one's face. But um, yeah. it's like. You know, people are saying, it's like, oh, why aren't, why aren't you just doing the fucking YouTube thing? And it's like, as a fucking deranged artist and stuff, like, I, I just don't function properly, like, being locked in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I, I, it's nice being around fellow, like, mental cases, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, unfortunately, yeah, that's the case of, like, these studios is, it's nice being, like, working, it's nice working with people, but unfortunately, like, the way everything is managed, um, yes, and that's another unfortunate thing is when you have supervisors, like, in person, they could be really cool people. It's like, oh, man, good chit-chat about video games or movies or whatever, but because of their position as a supervisor, it's like you end up fucking hating them. Yeah. And it, it just, like, completely just burns that, like, social bridge. It's like yeah. these people are fucking awesome, but it's like after work hours, like, I, I just can't look at the person the same way. Mm -hmm. It's like it, like it. <laughs> it's almost abusive while you, when you're on the clock, and then you know to all of a sudden shut that down at the end of the day. And be like, hey, let's grab a couple beers together. It's yeah, like, no, it's a completely no, it, different it, vibe. It's yeah, like, it, it, like it doesn't work. You know, it's like some sometimes you get along better with some supervisors than others, but uh, it's like yeah, it's it's hard to like maintain a friendship beside the beside you know a, a work relationship is it's like the work relationship usually does go to shit <laughs> yeah. so it's it's hard maintain so it's like it breaks friendships john <laughs> it breaks friendships yeah so you get it you guys you're starting an episode of whatever you get a screenplay in um where does that come from usually what what kind of is it like freelance writers um yeah, um, unfortunately in Canada, since, like, I, I don't know too much about this, you might know more, but there's writers' unions or something like that, and, yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, um, I'm sure you differ, but, like, in most cases, uh, a lot of these writers doing these television episodes, they don't, they don't give a fuck about cartoons. So, they shit something out over the weekend, and whatever they give to us, since they're under a union, it's, they get paid. <laughs> so, so, so you, you guys, all the quality assurance is on, on your, it's your responsibility. Yeah, so if I... And, but the, the screenwriters aren't held to that same No, time. no, it's like, they, if they don't get revisions, right? Yeah. They don't get revisions like us, so it's like, no matter how shitty of a show they, like, shitty of a screenplay they give us, it's like, they want us to polish that turd, like, day and night, but, like, in the end, it's, it, it's not gonna fucking matter. Yet, unfortunately, that's what the higher-ups, like, uh, right now I'm working on, one of the studios is doing a service uh, production for first television cartoon 
which is based on one of their properties but uh it's unfortunately like what the show is it's like it's such a missed opportunity like they fucked up so bad mm -hmm. it's like i just want to be like hey guys like you could have easily done this and this and like easily made it a good like a way better show but unfortunately like i guess the people calling the shots and stuff is i'm, I'm not sure who's writing it in this case but it's it's such a missed opportunity and like unfortunately i guess just not the not the right creative people are working on it up top and unfortunately there is a lot of like producers and stuff like we had an episode changed because one of the executive producers at brought his daughter and showed her the episode and since she was probably retarded and confused <laughs> we had to change the episode like the episode had to get like pretty much scrapped good lord just because this girl came in just, i don't like this yeah, and that's that's a huge... Make it better. And I say, what the fuck's happening? Yeah, I want for Angry Birds. I don't get it. So, like, this is my biggest gripe with a lot of media industry, I presume, is the focus testing. Right. And, like, a lot of shows I've worked on, it's like, the show is already in fucking production. We've had multiple episodes, um, whatever, like, fully animated. And then they decide to do a focus test. And, like, literally, they bring in soccer moms with, like, shelter retarded children which <laughs> isn't the most politically correct yeah. you know term to use this day and age but they let the kid out of the cage temporarily <laughs> to, to watch the episode <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, un unfortunately, it's, like, there's these, like, really talented, creative people and, like, us, too, like, us, like, animators, like, I don't want to boast and stuff, but it's, like, you know, as an animator, we have a really good idea of the whole production and, like, visual storytelling, character performance, like, we have a really good understanding of, like, the whole process and, you know, and, like, since I want to be in the storyboard department, like, I'm no script writer, but I do, you know, try and dissect what makes a good story, what makes a good character. Mm -hmm. And, like, unfortunately, like, we have no say in the process. Like, in the end, it's going to be the producer being a producer and their retarded children. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the directors I have on the current show, like, they seem like great guys, and sure, they're veterans, but, like, no offense to the guys, but they're not that good. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like man-children, like, yeah. uh, like, they're really cool guys, but it's like, they, they just don't got it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, the show we're on, like, I just want to go up to one of them and be like, this is a missed opportunity, this could easily be, like, the Rick and Morty, but family-friendly, still have, like, complete mindfuckery, but, you know, treat it in a more positive light rather than the cynical. Yeah. And it's like, this show would be the perfect, like, the perfect, um, opportunity when, for that. When you say cynical, do you mean like a, like almost a contempt for the audience? Oh, okay, like, um, what I like about, okay, this, this goes into a whole other topic, but what I love about Rick and Morty is, like, when it starts to delve into the, the science and stuff, it, like, the big theme in Rick and Morty I love is how fucking meaning, meaningless we all are. Yeah. It's like, if you look at the grand picture, and if, like, you know, if you don't believe in an afterlife, and blah, 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 like, I love how they're just like, yeah, like, none of it fucking matters. Like, you are 
insignificant and like that's why Rick and Morty's good. Yeah. But it's like this show it, it could easily be like the positive side of that. You know, add add a bit more of the warm fuzzy feelings. It's like, you know, like we could find some meaning in all this blah blah blah. But yeah. um the property it would be the perfect thing for, you know, zany science thing, but it's like the the episode ideas they come up with are just so fucking stupid. Yeah. So, like, Do you, is it for the show you're working on? Um, is it like a is it a consistent centralized like writing staff wherever it might be? It's probably not in house. It's probably uh, somewhere else, like, right? Unfortunately, like same with this case, it's like we have no fucking idea. Oh really? You you just get the scripts. It's like you don't so, even know who sent it. Like so, um, it. like unfortunately, like yeah, that's that's one thing I didn't mention. But like a lot of productions I'm on, it's like by the time us animators get in, it's like we have no fucking clue where the scripts came from. Oh my god! <laughs> like I remember when John at one point like asked me when I was working at one of the studios, it's like, oh yeah, like, would there be a way to, like, intern at one of the studios, like, to be in the writing room, and, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, dude, but that just doesn't happen. There is no fucking writer's room. <laughs> there, yeah. um, no, and it, and it's a real shame, because, like, I'd want to fucking work in a writer's room. Yeah. I'm not a writer, but, like, if I were a storyboard artist, it's like, you need to put those people in the same room. Yeah. And in the States, like, for, like, Cartoon Network and stuff, um, it sounds like they have that, but unfortunately, like, in Canada, like, none of the studios have that. Mm-hmm. Because we have the unionized writers, and they just shit something out right. over the weekend, so they could spend their week writing Batman 4. <laughs> so so, so these writers could be from anywhere in the world. Yeah. And, like, in this case, since, like, it's a property like i don't know if it's like someone on their end or okay yeah but uh unfortunately like like us like us animators were literally only hired the day we start animating so there's a lot of this pre-production that goes on and that's when the writing starts coming in but like even in this case we've already started we're like a few months into animating and like they're still dicking around with the scripts it's like guys that should be fucking done yeah that well, should be storyboarded like yeah, not just in animation, but in film. Like, lock down the fucking script before you roll cameras, before you draw anything. Make sure everybody is on the same fucking page with that, at the, at the bare minimum. Don't fucking submit a half-assed script, have animators, like, do it halfway, and then all of a sudden, oh, we gotta change all this dialogue, and we got, we're gonna, you know, add this scene, subtract this scene. It's like, all this work, hard work that's pissed away. And that's stuff that you don't get compensation for. No, no, we're paid her 40 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs>